we're just going to go in a completely different direction this evening, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm slightly nervous, uh, so um, let's just pray. Lord, help us. Amen. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk uh, about the, the gift of celibacy tonight. And, uh, and, and, and I want to talk about it as a gift that isn't like the booby prize. You know, it isn't the, oh my goodness, that's the gift you get when you don't get the proper gift. Um, <laughs> because I believe that it is, it is a valid gift from heaven uh, for many uh, of us, for most uh, Christians. Uh, it's a gift that's given until you receive the gift of marriage. For a few, for some... It's a gift that's given for the whole of life. And uh, uh, again, in our Christian culture, it's different outside the church, but partly because of you know, the, the different view we have of, of sex uh, and, and for other reasons. In our Christian culture, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I've, 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 been, I've been to too many places where um, you know, you, I go abroad and I go somewhere and someone says, and, and how's your family? Uh, it must be hard leaving your wife and kids. And I say, oh, I haven't got a wife and kids. And immediately say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, oh. And then, and then um, they invite me around to dinner that night. And there's someone eligible sitting opposite me. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, please, please. You know, and, 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 and actually, for many of us, we, we, we've, we've been brought up in the church to believe that, that marriage is the prize. And I hold ma the gift of marriage in really high esteem. One of, one of the best things I get to do is to do weddings for people. And it's such an honor and a privilege to do that. And I believe it's a, it's a wonderful adventure. It's a wonderful adventure, the gift of marriage. But you know what? We've started, some of us have started to believe things uh, that aren't quite true about sex, about singleness, and about marriage. And uh, I just want to look at that. Uh, uh, there's there's, a, there's a, a passage um, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Well, there's two little bits I just want to read. He says this in verse 8 of, I didn't say which chapter, did I? 1 Corinthians 7, verse 8. He says, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And, and that's what one would call incredibly practical teaching. <laughs> okay? It's like, it's not full of theory. It's like, well, if, if you're not coping, get married. Um, I'm not sure what that means. And then in verse 25, uh, Paul says... Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I love that. I love that. Uh, because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. 
But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want... Uh, that's true. And... Uh, <laughs> Kids is one, um, and that's a joke. That's a joke. And I want, and I want to spare you this. Um, and and then he just goes goes on to unpack that a little bit more. And and the point I think he's trying to make there is is he's saying, you know what, you have a choice, and uh, and and you know it's it's marriage is good, marriage is a gift, but so is celibacy a gift. And for some, celibacy is again, and, and for you know, for 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 all of us, it, it's at least a gift until marriage. And you know, the best way to prepare for marriage is to embrace the gift of celibacy until marriage. That really is the best way to prepare for marriage. Um, I don't know how you found out the facts of life. It, things have moved on a lot since I was a kid. But years ago, uh, boys used to be sat, sat. Their fathers used to sit them down. And their fathers used to, you know, tell them the facts of life. Now it's the kids that usually sit the parents down and tell them what they've discovered on the internet. And, uh, um, and, but that's how it used to be. So most boys, uh, when I was young, it would be their dads. For me, horrendously, horrifically, unbelievably, it was my mum. And... Um, <laughs> It was one of the most embarrassing conversations I had. And it wasn't to tell me the facts of life. It wasn't that because it, she sat me down when I was 13. And I already knew. And um, her, my, my parents were Greek. Very, very Greek. And uh, my mum sat me down and she said, Now, Michael, uh, I want to ask you, have you had sex with a girl yet? I was 13. And I was like dying and I was like... Uh, no, mum, I haven't. And she said, well, you should. It is very good for you. You must have sex with many girls. Uh, your father, he had sex with many women before he met me. It is good for a man to have sex. And then she said, if you don't have sex, you will go crazy. It is not healthy not to have sex. And she told me about an uncle of mine in Athens who didn't, ha who didn't have sex and was in a mental home. And, and, and I was dying. I was dying. And, you know, before I became a Christian, uh, I, was, I was really shy, so I didn't go to parties. Uh, I was, you know, and I didn't do that. And, I was, and then I became a Christian, and my parents were convinced atheists. I met Jesus, and I started going to church and to prayer meetings and Bible studies. And my parents didn't, were not keen on me being a Christian. So I used to lie. And I used to tell them I was going to parties and to the pub and, and all of that. And, and, and I remember, and I remember my dad, he would, he would slap me on the back. He said, that's my boy. Did, did you get drunk? You know, and I was like, well, kind of, you know. <laughs> And, and, and stuff like that. And it was all back to front. But you know what? My, what my mum said to me, that's just an exaggerated version of the attitude that there is in our culture. And we have put the act of sex on a ridiculous pedestal. And we've made it into the thing that if you're not having sex, there's something wrong with you. If you're not having sex with someone, you're a lesser human being. If you're not having sex, you're not fully alive. And I want to tell you that is not true. I am now 60 years old.
and in all, and, and, and you know, and there's a belief that, that if you're not having sex, if you haven't, then, then you know, you're, you're, yeah, there's something wrong with you. I'm 60 years old, and in my 60 years, I have never once shagged anything, animal, vegetable, or mineral, <laughs> and I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, I'm as okay as I can be. And you know what I want to tell you? As someone who's lived it and who lives it, it is not the thing that completes you. It is not the thing that completes you. And uh, we've, we've ended up with this, with this thing that, that we, we tell ourselves and we tell each other. And so many Christians, I keep meeting so many Christians that are, are treading water on, in life until the day comes when they get married and feel that they're incomplete until they get married. And I was in that place once. Uh, because of my background, because my, um, uh, I had a tough childhood. Uh, I, I just messed up every relationship. I just, I, I would, I, you, you don't need to know it all. I'm, this isn't a counseling session and your last payment or something. And, uh, and, and you know, and I, I struggled, so I messed up every relationship. And, and, and the last time I had a relationship was when I was 33. And, and, it, and that went wrong. And it was like, I remember I used to, when I get married, when I get married then. And then I remember there came a point in my life when I suddenly thought, wait a minute, am I really going to waste another day, another week, another month waiting until something that might never happen happens before I start living. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this one life I've got the best shot I've got, and I'm going to embrace the gift of celibacy until the gift of marriage comes. And you know, when I made that decision, everything in my life changed. There are two, there are two mistakes those of us who are single can make. Two equal errors. One is to believe that we're not whole human beings until we're married. That we won't have true peace and happiness and satisfaction until we're married. And we turn marriage into this, into this idol. And I believe in marriage. But you know what? I, 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 my married friends come and talk to me. It's flipping hard work. It's flipping hard work. It's wonderful, but it's not easy. And, 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 and the other thing, which is bizarre, I don't know why they do it, but I, have, I don't know why. They, in my church, they, they come up and talk to me about their sexual problems, you know, and, you know, stuff. And it's like, why the hell are you telling me? <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea, <laughs> you know. So I... I actually started reading books with diagrams, so I might be able to help. And it did, really didn't help. <laughs> I remember I read this one book. Um, no, no, you don't want to know. Okay. Um, and, and, and you know, that's the first error we can fall into. And we can start waiting for something before we give ourselves to the one life we've got. The other area that I fell into after a while was... Oh, do you know what? I'm single. I can do what I want. I don't have anyone that says, you know, you've got to be home for six. Dinner's on the table. I don't have to go with the, the kids to, 
some kids' resort for holiday, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, I can get home when I want. If I, if I decide at the last minute I'm flexible, I have people round, I won't have people round, I'll, I'll, I'll decide last minute, you know what, I'm going to take a few days off, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, and I don't have to worry about anyone. And I was telling one of my friends this. And I was saying, you know what? Being single is wonderful. I've seen my married friends. They're trapped. They have to to be home at this time. They have to be up at this time. They They have to change nappies. They have to all that stuff. And I can do whatever I want. And then my friend looked at me. And he said very kindly but very firmly, it must be wonderful to be able to be that selfish. And I'm so glad he said it, because that's the other error we can get into. Those of us who are single and who live in in singleness celibacy, we can start to believe the lie that that means that we're not accountable to anyone, that we don't have to serve anyone, that we live for number one. And whether you're single or married, if you're a Christian, you're a servant to all. When you're a Christian, you know, the command to be hospitable is just as much a command to those who are single as it is to those who are married. And do you know, I I had to make a decision that I was going to give this one life I've got the best shot I have, and I would give myself to my friends. I would give my life. I would open my home. And you know, now I've lost count of the number of people who have keys to my front door. I mean, seriously, I I go away and I come back and there's things missing in my house. (laughs) You know, usually it's books and it's like, where where did that go? And I find out someone came in and and borrowed a few books and and I have people like um, who who, who go and have retreats when I'm away. When I'm away, they go into my house and they they have a day's retreat in my my house and and stuff like that. And, And do you know, I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know, I, I have made in the last years such rich relationships. To be single is not to be lonely. To be celibate in the church of Jesus is not meant to be lonely. It's meant to bring you alive. And you know what? I used, to, I used to have this thing that lots of us who are Christians and single have, that, you know what, I'm, you know, I mustn't go to this family. I mustn't go visit because, well, you know what? They're going to think, you know, the, the lonely he puts in families. Oh, we better look after poor Mike. We'll give him a meal. Uh, but we hope he doesn't stay too long uh, so we can just be family again. And I used to feel, oh, no, am I, am I intruding? And there came a point where I thought, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to listen to that lie. So do you know what my attitude is now? I'll go to my friends who are in families. I'll knock on the door. They'll open the door. And I will say and believe, I have just come to make your life better. <laughs> and that's the truth. I am a blessing to them. I'm not poor little single Mike who needs looking after. I am a blessing to them. And embrace the gift of celibacy. Embrace it as a gift. There's things, as Paul says here, that you can do 
that you couldn't do if you were married. I, I, I spend almost half the year traveling in different parts of the world. If I, was, if I was married and had kids, that would be sin. That would be sin. You know, but I, I have the ability to do that. I have the ability to be flexible for the sake of others and to give myself and to serve others and to pour into relationships. And once I made that decision, everything changed. Every, I, won't say, I won't say it's never lonely, but you ask people who are married if it's ever lonely. Sometimes it is. I won't say it's never lonely, but I will say I wouldn't have missed the last years for the world. And I'm saying this not to boast. I promise you it's not to boast. It's just to tell you how it is and how it can be. Since I made that decision, um, I'm, I've never married and I, I, I won't now. Not at 60. I mean, to get married at 60, you know, you have to change your life completely j just for the sake of sex and for a few years. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, 20 years, yes, but what I've got left, no. Uh, and, 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 where did, why did I say, that came out of my mouth, didn't it? <laughs> came out of my mouth, this could go anywhere, this is scary. Um, but you know, but you know, I, I, I'm not married, I'll never get married. I love kids, I'll never have kids of my own. But I tell you, I've now had the joy of being best man at 19 weddings. And uh, I love it. I love it. And I think in a while, as I'm going to hit 20. And uh, I even got to be father of the bride once. And that was one of the most amazing days of my life. And um, there was this girl, um, um, young lady called Sarah. And um, uh, uh, when she was 22, she came to see me and she said, Dave's asked me to marry him. And uh, um, her dad um, committed suicide uh, when she was two years old. And uh, she said, my, Dave's asked me to marry him. Would you be my dad on my wedding day? And I said, Sarah, are you serious? And she said, you've forgotten what I told you when I was 13, haven't you? And I said, what was that? And she said, I said to you when I was 13, if I ever get married, I want you to be my dad on my wedding day because you're the nearest thing I've ever had to a dad. And you know what? I prepared myself emotionally to walk her down the aisle. I prepared myself emotionally to give the father of the bride speech. The bit that did me and I wasn't prepared was being in the car with her as we went to the church. And I sat there next to Sarah, who I've known since she was six. And then we got to the church, and she was fragile in her bride's outfit. And I'd watched her grow up. And I said, shall we pray? And she said, yes. I took her hand. We prayed. And I said, are you ready? She said, yes. And I took her down the aisle to meet her husband. That was one of the best days of my life. That was one of the best days of my life. There's a whole bunch of folk that were in my youth group that I've been best man for. Pete, I was, I was, the best one, him, I was best man at his wedding. 
with, um, with his two brothers. And Tim, his brother, I was the best man at his brother's wedding. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and um, uh, in fact, I'll, 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 I don't know why, I'll, I'll tell you. You know Sarah? Um, uh, she, Sarah is uh, Matt Redmond's sister. And, um, and I was best man at Matt's wedding. And... Uh, <laughs> And because he was in my youth group from when he was 13. And I invested and I prayed with him every day. And I watched him grow up. And you know now, and I'll never have kids of my own, but I've got Godchildren coming out of my ears. <laughs> I mean, it's seriously bankruptcy city. It's ridiculous. And, 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 and like the Redmonds, I, they've got five kids. I'm godfather to all flipping five. <laughs> It's like, who, who, who does that to a person? <laughs> who does that to a person? And, and I love it. I love it because I believe with all my heart that if they make me Godfather, that gives me a right, a divine right, to interfere in how they bring their kids up. And I do that. <laughs> I do that with a vengeance. And I love it. And uh, with, 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 with Matt and Beth, this was a while, I've got to tell you this, this was a while, I know this is nothing to do, this isn't really, uh, well, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> but with Matt and Beth, you know, with their kids, uh, I'll take it, they'll take it in turns to have like a, an afternoon with me, and, uh, or something like that, or they'll, parent, mum and dad will drop them off, I mean, they now live in California, so it's a bit harder. Um, uh, but, but they'll have an afternoon with me, and, and I love it, or a day with me. And there was, a, there was a, a, about, I think it was about two, three, three years ago, um, uh, one of their boys, Jackson, um, he was about seven at the time, seven, eight, and uh, Beth dropped him off, and, and uh, we, we, we went and looked at my goldfish in the garden, and, and we sat down and chatted, and I said, hey, Jackson, because uh, th that night I had to lead and preach at a celebration uh, for young people in our church, uh, an event like this. And uh, I said, we've got to go in the evening, but where do you want to go uh, for dinner? And uh, Beth said to me, they're really weird, Matt and Beth. I mean, you know, and... <laughs> You know, they're, in, they, they're into um, organic food and nonsense like that. And, and all, you know, health and everything. And so, so, so Beth said to me, you know, um, don't, don't give him any sugar because he goes hyper. And, you know, just make sure we try and make sure. So, so I said to Jackson, I said, um, uh, what, what would you like to eat, Jackson? Where would you like to go? Here's two choices. We can either go to the vegetarian restaurant in town, or we could go to McDonald's. And um, I'm, to my amazement, he chose McDonald's. And so the, the, the two of us went to McDonald's, and I said, what would you like? And he said, I'd like a Big Mac and fries, and I'd like a McFlurry. So I got him a Big Mac and fries and a McFlurry. And do you know what he was doing? As we were ch and the two of us were chatting away. We were talking about life like you do with a seven-year-old. And, 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 and what he would do is he would take a bite out of the Big Mac and then he'd have some flurry. And he said to me, he said at one point, he said, these two go really well together. <laughs> and I thought, that's my godson. <laughs> and, then, and then I took him on to the celebration and we went to the tuck shop first, and uh, we, he, got, he got some 
um, fizzy orange to drink and, uh, and Skittles. And uh, he got, and he wanted two bags of Skittles. So, I mean, he's seven, so I got him two bags of Skittles. And, and then, um, just before the meeting, just before the meeting, you're going to love this, just before the meeting started, um, um, uh, I said to him, hey, Jackson, would you like to introduce the meeting with me? Would you like to host it? And he said, yeah, all right. And then he thought for a minute and he said, who will you, what will you say, who will you say I am? And I said, well, I've got to say something, otherwise they'll wonder. So, I mean, what, what would you like? Shall I say you're Jackson? And he said, no, no, no. Um, I don't want them to know who I am. So just call me Jack. <laughs> so I said, this is my friend Jack. Who's my, and we're hosting today, and he was there. And do you know what? Uh, we had this pulpit, because in our church we have a proper pulpit. Not... <laughs> Um, and it's perspex and it's got a shelf and everything and yeah you can put and uh, and, <laughs> and 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 he put he put the the, or, the orange fizzy orange on the shelf and he arranged the skittles all over and he kept eating skittles and so as we were introducing he would say hello, and then he'd have some Skittles, and then he'd have some more Skittles and drink some orange, and then when the worship started, we went to the side, and every now and then he'd go up the front and have some Skittles, and then I went up to preach, and as I was preaching, there was a little bit of a commotion, and a little bit of laughter started, and I, I discovered that Jackson, he'd, he'd gone red in the face, and he'd taken his top off, and he was wandering up, eating Skittles, while I was preaching and going away. And then, and then at the end of the meeting, he was on a complete high. And, and as people were leaving, we were clearing up, Jackson was running around the room, screaming at the top of his voice, shouting, going, whoa, whoa. At that point, his mum walked in. And she looked at Jackson and Beth said to me, what have you done to my son? And I said, nothing. I don't know what's wrong. He's just, and she, and she said, Jackson, come here. And, and she said, what have you had? And he said, oh, I had a Big Mac and a McFlurry and two cans of orange and two packets of Skittles. And she looked at me and she said, Mike, we, we, we're never going to get him to sleep. We're going to have to, he's going to be hyper for hours. And I looked at her and I said, I don't care. I said, listen, I said, I'm the Godfather. <laughs> and I love it. I'm being serious. I, I, I gave a silly example, but I'm involved in their lives all the time. You know, one, one of the, my, the families that I'm close to, every day, every day when I'm away, either mum or dad, send me, I either FaceTime with this three-year-old who I adore, or they send me videos, or, and, and I, I love it. I love it. My life is so rich. It couldn't be richer. And it's that because I've embraced celibacy as a gift, as a gift from God, so that I can be a gift. And when I choose to be a gift, guess what? They're all a gift to me. 
They're all a gift to me. And for most of you, it's for a season. But don't waste the season waiting for something until it happens, until life really starts. You know what? The more you embrace that gift now, the, the more you will be ready the more you'll be equipped, the more you'll be prepared for marriage because marriage is another relationship. And we need to learn how to make relationships in our generation and maintain them. And you know what? The trick for when you get married, and this is what happens when you embrace the gift of celibacy, is to look outwards together because your marriage is meant to be a blessing to others. It's for the sake of others, not just for you. And you find true happiness and fulfillment when you don't put all the weight of expectation of having every single need met onto this one person because no one can do that. It's in the context of the wider body, of the wider family. And you know what? There's healing when that happens. There's healing. There's healing. I'll finish with this. There's, the big question is, but what about sex? And our, 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 our society tells us that, you know what, um, and we believe it, that sex is irresistible, and it, there are temptations. Of course there are. But you know what? One of the best ways to, to keep sex which is a meant to be not something that's just... that. It, it, do you know what, as Christians, I know you know this, but the gift of sex is a gift of love in a committed relationship. It's a gift of giving yourself in a place that's safe. It's a gift of being vulnerable in a place that's safe. It's a gift that, that, that is to, to, to please and to, and, and to bless another human being. It's so much more than our society tells us it is. But you know what? When you're single, it can be tough. Of course it can be tough. Because we've got hormones raging. And we long for intimacy. But it's a lot less tough if we develop all sorts of relationships of intimacy. I have great friendships with single people, married people, old people, young people, men and women. And you know what? That, that, that really does help. But even then, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. And uh, I love the story of Joseph. I love the story of how, you know, when, when Mrs. Potiphar came at him and said, come to bed with me. I mean, she was not backwards in coming forwards. You know, he could have said, you know, you know, you know he was in a strange land. He was a slave. Everything had gone wrong. He could have felt sorry for himself. And at that point, it would have been, you know what? I'll just have, I'll just go there. And, and he could have done, which is what we would have done. He could have said, Mrs. Potiphar, we probably shouldn't sleep together. Mr. Potiphar won't like it. But it doesn't mean we can't be friends. I mean, it doesn't mean Mr. Potiphar's away on business a lot. That, you know, we can, you know, watch a movie on the settee, have a takeout, bottle of wine but we shouldn't sleep together. Do you know what it says? When she came in one door, he ran out the other. And we have to make a decision in the cold light of day, in the cold light of day, 
Otherwise, life gets messed up. And I'm going to finish with, I'm just going to be honest, with a time where I, I, I did mess up. I did mess up. And I hope it's all right to tell you. It was um, one, um, one early evening. Um, I was going out to preach that night. And the next day, um, uh, it, was, it was kind of early afternoon, actually. And the next day, I had some friends coming around for dinner. And I knew what I was going to cook for the main course. And I thought, what should I give them for dessert? And then I suddenly realized, and I remembered, that I had in the freezer a double chocolate cake um, that was there for emergencies and special occasions. So I thought, you know, I'll, I'll take the double chocolate cake out. I took it out. I unwrapped it. Uh, I took the wrapping out. I put it in the fridge where it would defrost slowly and it would be ready for dinner the next evening. And then I went out and I served the Lord uh, that evening, preaching the gospel and doing ministry. And then I came home and I was tired. Uh, but I thought, you know what, before I go to bed, I'll just go into the kitchen, have a glass of water, because I'm a little bit thirsty. I'm not going to have anything to eat, because I have had food sufficient for the day thereof. And uh, anyway, I like to watch my figure. And uh, so I'll just have a glass of water. And then as I was standing in the kitchen having a glass of water, it suddenly occurred to me, the thought came out of nowhere, I wonder how that double chocolate cake is doing, <laughs> defrosting in the fridge. And I thought, I'm not going to go there, I'm just going to go and have a look. And so I went over and I opened the fridge door. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> when I open, I open the fridge door and you would not believe what happened next. <laughs> that double chocolate cake spoke to me. <laughs> it said, hello, Mike. And I said, hello, double chocolate cake. And the double chocolate cake said, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm okay, I'm tired, I've been serving Jesus, and I'm just having a glass of water before I go to bed. And then I thought, I better be polite, so I said, how are you, double chocolate cake? And, and the double chocolate cake said, yeah, I'm all right, I've just been really bored in this fridge all day. All I've had is a cucumber and two tomatoes for company. And then the double chocolate cake said, look, you're tired, I'm bored. While you finish your glass of water, why don't you take me out, put me on the kitchen table, we can have a little chat, and then you can put me back. And I thought, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing that says you can't talk. And so I, I said, well, I'll put you on the table, we'll have a little chat, but then I'm going to put you back because you're for tomorrow. Absolutely, said the double chocolate cake. Well, I sat down at the kitchen table, and we had one of those late night conversations you have with double chocolate cake. What's it like being a cake? What's it like being a human being? All that sort of stuff. And then, and then after a while, I, I, I got curious and I said to the double chocolate cake, I said, hey, tell me, cakey. Because, well, we were getting to know each other. And I said, tell me, cakey, I'm wondering, um, are you defrosted? And cakey thought for a moment and said, you know, I can't tell. The only way you could find out is if you run your finger along my cream and have a lick. And I thought, well, if I run my finger along Cakey's cream and have a lick, technically, that is not going all the way, is it? It's not going all the way. 
It's just running my finger along Cakey's cream and having a lick. Well, I... Well, I ran my finger and I had a lick and I said, Cakey, your cream is defrosted. But what I want to know is, are you defrosted deep, deep in the heart of you? And then Cakey said, do you know, the only way we can find out is if... Calm down. Uh, <laughs> the only... I'm talking about cake. What are you thinking about? The only way is, is if, we, if you cut a slither of me and just a little slither, you know what? You can cover it over with cream and have a taste. And I thought, it's just a little slither. It's not affecting anyone else. No one else will know. It's just between me and Cakey. And, and, then, and then I thought, how else can I know if Cakey and I are compatible? And so I cut a little slither and I had a taste. And I said, Cakey, you are defrosted deep, deep in the heart of you. Well, that night, one thing led to another. And by the end of the evening, that double chocolate cake and I were one flesh. And I wish I could stand here and tell you I hated every moment of it. But I didn't hate every moment of it. I loved every moment of it. For the first time in my life, I felt alive. I felt I was fully human. And as I, and as I, as I was eating cakey, it was like my taste buds were on fire. Everything was just amazing. And then I was just eating cake, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it until... I finished cakey and then I sat there and I looked at the empty plate with smears of chocolate. I looked at the spoon with bits of chocolate cream stuck on it and the knife with those little chocolate pieces and the plate and the spoon and the knife. They screamed at me, murderer, murderer, <laughs> murderer. And I thought, what have I done? I've killed Cakey. And then immediately, I started to feel sick. I started to feel ill. I wanted to drink lots of water, but there was no room to drink water. And I thought, what have I done? This is horrible. This is horrible. And, and I tried to walk around, but it was like Cakey was in front of me. I went to bed. I lay on my back, and Cakey lay on top of me. I turned left, and it, and it was like I couldn't sleep that night. That's the trouble with sin. It tastes good at the time, but then it repeats on you. Then it repeats on you. And while I was eating cakey, you know, I was angry with those boring, stupid dietitians who tell you that you can't eat a double chocolate cake on your own. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought how, how can something that feels so right be so wrong? How can it? It can't be wrong. It can't be wrong. Cakey and I, we love each other. We love each other. But Cakey isn't there anymore. Cakey's left me. 
Where did I go wrong? I'll tell you where I went wrong. I went wrong when I opened the fridge door. Decide not to open the fridge door. Now, we know what I'm talking about, don't we? We know I'm not just talking about double chocolate cake, don't we? I'm talking about strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> I'm talking about apple pie and ice cream. I'm talking about profiteroles and cream. And yes, I'm also talking about sex outside of marriage. Don't open the fridge door. Make a decision. Once that door was open, I was a goner. I was a goner. And you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. And for some of you, for most many of you, it's a gift to embrace celibacy until marriage. For some, it might be a gift to embrace for the rest of your life. And I just want to tell you, you won't, if you embrace it, you won't lose out. I have had the richest life I could ever have wished for. I seriously, I, I tell everyone, I, I, I get to work with my best friends. And they're my best friends because I've worked on it. Because I've invested. And I could tell you story after story, but it would get sentimental. And actually, we're going to stop now. I hope this is helpful. I hope some of this resonates. I know it's more complicated, but he wrote a book on it. That I've read the book. It was much better than anything I've just said. <laughs> oh, I hated saying that. That was horrible. Um, <laughs> but I just want to, you know, go for it with all your heart. Go for him. Go for the Lord. Give him everything. And there'll be times when your emotions will tell you lies. There are times when your emotions will tell you stuff. You know, in the cold light of day, make a decision. Make, make an agreement. Make an agreement with a few friends. You know what? We're going to be accountable to each other, not in a legalistic dry way, but as friends, as mates. We're going we're gonna to cheer each other on and give from now on, whether you're married or single. Don't waste a moment of this one precious life that your God has given you. Live it to the full, and you live it to the full by giving it away. That's what he told us. You live it to the full by giving it away.